Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, where we will bring you some of the most interesting interviews and features from the world of tech. Visit irishtechnews.ie and check out our podcast section to explore all of our previous episodes. You can subscribe to our podcast using whatever your favourite app or service is by visiting anchor.fm forward slash irish-tech-news. Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast. Today I'm joined by Craig Golanowski, uh, President and Managing Partner at Carbon Infrastructure Partners. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Pleased to be here. Uh, to start with, could you tell me a little bit about your, your background and what you do? Yeah, uh, happy to. Um, yeah, so my background is in, um, the, you know, I've been in the energy industry from investment banking and uh, private equity fund management for, you know, the entirety of my career. Uh, I've been, uh, you know, running a private equity company now for uh, for a, quite a while, and uh, in the last uh, you know, call it a couple of years ago now, we really started to think more carefully around you know emissions and how we could make a contribution to uh, dealing with the emissions and energy uh, problem, and so we uh, undertook a, a you know a rebranding process. Uh, we we uh, changed our name to Carbon Infrastructure Partners, and our you know basic message is that um, to you know successfully tackle the the dual challenge of meeting energy demands for 7.7 billion people and reducing emissions, that we need to you know invest across the carbon life cycle. So that's hydrocarbon production. Uh, through to carbon capture and storage. And uh, carbon capture and storage is a uh, process by which we uh, capture the CO2 rather than emit it in the atmosphere and store that uh, carbon dioxide in the subsurface, uh, which is where you know it came from in the first place and thus completing uh, the carbon life cycle and having a more sustainable uh, approach to energy and emissions. That's great. Um... So how has carbon capture and storage evolved since you began working with it? Well, the, the basic technology has been around for 40 years in the oil and gas industry. Uh, carbon dioxide has been used uh, to uh, enhance the recovery of oil in uh, mature oil fields. Um, and so in the last decade, the uh, basic technology of storing carbon dioxide in the subsurface, uh, which is called geologic storage. You know, that's uh, been proven out by a series of, you know, demonstration projects in Canada and the United States. And, um, and so where we are today is we've got a, uh, the, the form of a commercial model. Um, the United States has established the Section 45Q tax credit which provides a you know fifty dollar a ton incentive to capture and store CO two in the subsurface, and so you know the United States is leading uh, the world in providing a value to an avoided emission, and uh, Canada is uh, following. Uh, we in Canada there is a carbon tax, uh, there is a, uh, the sketches of a investment tax credit for carbon capture. And so really what's changed is the technologies is set, you know, basically established. Um, and, you know, the, what's changed is now there's a, a form of a commercial model uh, because if it's free to emit CO2 or there's no benefit to 
of you know not emitting uh, no value associated with avoiding an emission then you know businesses will rationally uh you know just put co2 into the atmosphere it's free to do that and so um government you know does have a, an important role to play to introduce a, a value and a price on uh, carbon and that's really what's changed in the last you know 24 months so what does the market look like currently for ccs um what are the costs like yeah the costs very much are um a function of a of a couple of things the first uh first and foremost is what is the source of the emissions um so the amount of energy and cost uh needed to you know separate the co2 um is is a function of the you know the source so for example if you were to produce ethanol um you know ethanol the uh, process of making it the co2 um, is basically 100 percent pure um you know if you're making hydrogen from natural gas um you know the process of of taking the carbon out of methane to create hydrogen um you know that process results in very high purity co2 so the costs of um you know capture uh, for ethanol are very low the costs for capture for hydrogen or you know called medium uh that, that would also apply to ammonia fertilizer the haber bosch process um those would be medium costs and then on the higher cost side would be you know natural gas turbines for um power production uh for heat industrial heat um you know those uh, those uh, processes uh, and that that combustion, you know, results in a in a lower uh, concentration of CO two in the exhaust stream, and so it costs more money uh, to do the thermodynamic work to concentrate just the CO two. So those would be higher costs. And so, you know, on the low end, let's let's think of that as you know twenty to twenty five bucks a ton. On the medium end, it'd be 50 bucks a ton. And on the high end for power and, and heat, you know, think of that as 85 to 100 bucks a ton. So your company named its vision for a global energy system as clean firm energy. Uh, could you give an explanation of what that is? Yeah. So thanks for asking. Um, you know, 85% of the energy we consume is coal, oil, and natural gas. Uh, the other forms of primary energy are nuclear um hydro wind and solar you know that's it those are our choices so electricity is not energy you know electricity is an energy carrier hydrogen you know that's not energy uh, hydrogen's just an energy carrier you have to make hydrogen you have to make electricity so uh, you know primary energy is um at the end of the day the reason 2021 soon to be 2022 exists you know as we see it we get an incredible benefit from the use of hydrocarbons uh, it enables our food system uh, it enables you know travel it en enables our building materials it, and frankly it enables solar panels you know solar panels are made out of coal uh, that that's just how you make a solar panels you use coal and so cheap, affordable, and abundant energy in the form of hydrocarbons is the driver of prosperity. And, but we have this problem where 
um, you know, we're, when we use hydrocarbons, uh, that CO2, you know, just gets dumped into the atmosphere. And so there's this idea out there right now that we can just do away with the entire fossil fuel system and replace it with, you know, renewables. And that's just not technically feasible um, because, you know, basically you're reliant on the weather. So um, keeping it simple, I mean, there's night. Uh, solar panels do not make electricity at night. They don't make electricity if there's, if there's snow. They don't make electricity if there's clouds uh, in the same quantity. You, you know, so basically we're gonna, we, we need to have firm dispatchable energy and, and renewables do not do that. And so when you look at how we're gonna solve the problem, uh, nuclear plays a major role. And we think carbon capture and storage plays a major role because it allows us to keep using the hydrocarbons we're gonna use anyway, um, and do so with capturing that CO2 and sequestering it in the subsurface. And so what we can do with carbon capture is create you know, energy carriers like electricity that has zero emissions in its production. So clean firm electricity, clean firm power. Um, we can make hydrogen. You know, so we can use hydrogen in, in certain applications. So like, for example, heavy trucks, uh, we can run, you know, rather than run diesel through a truck, we can run a hydrogen fuel cell truck. And, and then the, the emissions off that truck are zero. And we can make that hydrogen uh, with carbon capture. And, um, you know, ammonia is another example where we can make fertilizer, which is uh, basically needed to feed the 7.7 .7 billion people we have. We can make that with um, carbon capture. We can also use ammonia in, in things like marine transportation. Um, you know, ships can use ammonia for their engines. Uh, so these are these are the ideas, um, or are really the thrust of clean firm energy, which is firm and dispatchable energy sources, um, but clean meaning we're targeting zero emissions and zero CO two. And, um, and then energy being a variety of energy products that consumers, um, you know, ultimately use to get what they want, uh, be it transportation or heat or, you know, fertilizers, wh whatever it is. Uh, so that's the basic foundation of, uh, of our view of the future. Uh, so many countries have committed to achieving net zero goals by 2050. Uh, how important do you think CCS will be in achieving these goals? It's critical. There, there's really no other way to do it than the, you know, the idea that we're going to stop using fossil fuels is wrong. It's incorrect. It's, it's false. It's not possible. And in fact, it's dangerous to think that it's true because what actually is happening today is we are structurally underinvesting in the production of energy. Um, and the consequences of that are serious. So you're sitting in, in Europe. Uh, Europe today has uh, $30 a million BTU natural gas. That's equivalent to $200 a barrel for oil. You're shutting down industry. You're shutting down fertilizer production. Uh, it, it doesn't work. Uh, that's just a fact. And, and if, it, if it ends up being a tough winter this winter, you know, Europe uh, is likely to face some serious consequences uh, that may, may result in peril for people. 
Um, so the fact is like this, this is uh, the, the reason carbon capture is critical is because, you know, people, there, there's this sort of idea floating out there that, that's in, you know, uh, in, an incorrect idea that all we need to do is stop investing in oil and gas. Uh, the prices of those will increase and then that'll, you know, create this incentive to substitute towards, you know, electric vehicles, more solar panels, more wind farms. And the error of all that, first of all, it's not possible to do it. And how we know that it's not possible is that the costs of solar panels are skyrocketing right now. You know, solar panels are made out of coal in China. That's just a fact. So as coal prices are skyrocketing, we don't have enough coal, solar panel prices are skyrocketing. Uh, lithium battery costs are going up because lithium uh, is a mineral that needs a, an enormous quantity of energy to mine and process it. Those uh, energy sources for the mining and the processing are, are coal and oil and gas. And so as the costs of energy go up, the costs of renewables go up and they go up faster because renewables at the end of the day don't provide very much of a return on the energy that you invest into renewables. So this is an important point. So when you invest in a solar panel and add up all the energy that went into making that solar panel and then figure out over the life of that solar panel, how much will the solar panel generate in energy? Uh, so energy in versus energy out. That The return on a solar panel is quite low um, for a variety of reasons. And so uh, if you were to also add up the energy from uh, manufacturing a battery that would uh, allow that solar panel to you know, pr provide energy at night when you want to turn your lights on, if you sum up the energy in the solar panel and the energy in the battery and then figure out over the life of that combined asset, uh, what, how much energy will it produce that's usable? Turns out it's pretty darn close to how much it costs to make. And so that's a big problem because our entire society depends on incredible returns on energy. We put a certain amount of energy in to drill a natural gas well and we'll get 40 times the amount of energy out. Whereas a solar panel and a battery together, it's almost break even. And so this is the issue is that as you have higher and higher energy prices because policy today is um, based on you know, more um, friction to build energy infrastructure. Uh, pension funds are, are saying well, they don't invest in oil and gas, they don't invest in hydrocarbons. Um, you know, the courts are, are putting pressure, the, the Dutch, you know, the, the, the court in Netherlands rules against Shell. I mean, all these things taken together mean that we're going to have higher energy costs. And when we do that, that's going to make renewables uh, more difficult to build, more expensive, and ultimately everyone's going to be worse off. And so in order to break through this, um, you know, this is a pretty negative sounding uh, conversation, but, but it's a fact. And uh, the way you break through this is really, in, in our view, two things. One is carbon capture needs to be ramped up massively. And we need to add, uh, you know, nuclear power back into the conversation. And the combination of carbon capture and nuclear 
you know, will allow us to meet our emission goals and uh, uh, energy demands. And uh, until we find, uh, find some consensus and find some understanding around this, uh, I'm afraid that we're going to have to endure some challenging years uh, of, uh, of very high energy cost, disruption, uh, you know, serious challenges. Uh, and yeah. maybe that's the only way to do it. Maybe, maybe the only way to actually go through this reconciliation process is to truly experience the lack of reliable energy. Um, and so I think that's, that's the road we're on. Uh, I hope we can change directions quickly. Uh, so you mentioned carbon capture and storage needs to be ramped up more. So uh, do you think there's enough resources currently being put into the industry in order to achieve net zero? No, basically, you know, carbon capture costs money. Uh, it just does. And someone has to pay for it uh, at the end of the day. So as I said, we're, we're running between 25 to 100 bucks a ton. And uh, today, the incentives that are in place are less than that. Um, and there's a lot of environmentalists and a lot of folks who you know, are believers in the, in the renewables revolution that you know, carbon capture is something that will just sustain fossil fuels. And therefore, you know, it, it should not be even on the agenda. In fact, is opposite to the goals of the revolution. Um, and so the, you know, the issue we generally have in this space is, 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 is just that, is environmentalists generally um, are opposed to it. And some environmentalists are in favor of carbon capture and, and, and with those, there's a you know, coalition of, of like-minded people like myself as an energy producer, you know, where we can work with certain environmental groups and say, look, like, you know, how do we make this happen? How do we actually reduce emissions? So, so that's just a point one, the incentives, the uh, value um, is, um, is not quite there and there are powerful forces trying to, you know, prevent carbon capture from really being part of the mix. Uh, and, uh, and that's unfortunate uh, because these things do take time to design and engineer and build. This is industrial scale uh, stuff, you know, it takes years to, to design it and it's expensive, you know, a billion dollar project doesn't just happen overnight. And so unfortunately, um, the policy friction uh, is really uh, unfortunate, but you know, having said that in the reconciliation bill that's in Congress uh, right now, uh, carbon capture does play a, a you know, does get some serious enhancements in that bill. Uh, Canada is slowly, uh, you know, laboring away from a federal perspective to uh, get a, you know, uh, incentive structure in place for carbon capture. Um, and so, you know, it is happening um, and projects are happening. Uh, the early uh, pioneers in this from a commercial perspective, um, you know, there are teams and companies being formed to pursue the uh, opportunity set. Uh, but, you know, it's, um, it could go a lot faster if there was consensus, I, I believe, within the environmental community around carbon capture. Yeah. So uh, do you think these dates that the governments are committing to, you know, 2050 and 2070, do you think these are too late to make meaningful change? And do you think it's possible to even achieve net zero by these dates? 
no, no. I, I think these these uh, these goals are are kind of ridiculous, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, they they're the you know it's it, I, I'm not really sure what the psychological objective um, is to state these goals uh, because they're not it's not possible. I mean, no, when you actually talk to people about okay, how is this actually going to play out? You know, m- basically no one really knows. It depends on technologies in general that don't yet exist, and or it depends on utterly unrealistic assumptions. You know, we're going to you know triple or quadruple annual renewables installations. Okay, great, but what about the transmission systems? What about the fact that you know you you you're going to have to rebuild like literally the entirety of the infrastructure? Well, you know where where is that happening? It's not it's not going to happen. And I personally, I think that the uh, the next coming years, you know, in, as energy prices just continue to grind higher, as we have reliability challenges, I, I do think this conversation does need to shift towards you know more realistic goals of what can actually be achieved, given that we have seven point seven billion people in the world, and of those. You know, only about a billion of us have energy usage uh, in a way that we would recognize it. You know, the vast majority of the human population on Earth uh, is energy poor. And they they look at how we live in the Western world and and they want the same thing for themselves. They want to live in condominiums. They want a car. They want appliances. They want air conditioning. And the energy requirements to do that are extraordinary. And so we have this phenomena, this what we call an S-curve phenomena, where when certain middle income countries hit, you know, a certain per capita GDP, uh, their energy use accelerates. And so China is, 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 is well through that S-curve acceleration. India is entering into it. Uh, other countries uh, in the developing world are similarly accelerating their energy demands. And so basically, we're running into a situation where we've got constraints on capital uh, into the energy system because of a misguided view that we're going to stop using fossil fuels. And we've got on the demand side an acceleration of demand from billions of people. And so, you know, essentially these, these forces are, are colliding as we speak. I mean, Europe, is, as we just discussed, $30 BTU natural gas. Uh, storage is not refilling. If it's a cold winter, I mean, there's a real possibility that Europe literally runs out of natural gas and people freeze. And so there, there does need to be, I believe, a, a very different kind of conversation around what's reality, what's realistic, and and these goals, uh, you know, that people are setting, I, I really don't understand what the purpose of them are because there's no real basis of them in reality, and in, in my view. So, uh, how can people find out more about carbon capture and storage and the benefits of it? Well, there's plenty of places. Our website, uh, carboninfrastructurepartners.com, is a good place to. Uh, to we've got a, a video that explains it, and uh, you know, um, a variety of. Uh, of um, exhibits on the website, um, you know there are uh, there's an incredible amount of information just in general available on on this. Um, 
you know, there's 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 a lot of work actually coming out of uh, places like Stanford, um, where we've written about where, um, uh, you know, folks are, are writing good work on on the importance of carbon capture to achieving our emission reduction goals. Um, and so there's there's plenty of resources uh, there. Um, it, you know, in general, I would just say that it, the best place for folks to really look at this stuff is, is you know, Vaclav Schmiel. Uh, Vaclav has written some incredible books. Uh, Grand Transitions is one that I would I would recommend. Where you know, Vaclav goes through and and really just pulls pulls it down to the basics. Like, how did we get to the incredible prosperity in two thousand twenty one? You know, in our in our food systems, in our in our industrial systems, in our how how did it happen? It's not magic. It happened because we were able to harness incredible quantities of energy from coal, oil, natural gas, nuclear, and uh, that that's uh, that's a fact. And so we uh, th those kinds of um, uh, those kinds of resources, Vat is absolutely the best. You know, I think allow people to just get a real sense of proportion, get a sense for it, this is not magic. There's the, the energy density, the physics of it, how it works. Uh, these are important things. And I, and I hope that what one of the part of what our goal is in telling this story is, is having people become more energy aware more, more more knowledgeable because it, there's incredible ignorance around energy because we just take it for granted. Uh, you turn the lights on, how that happens is utterly magical. How your food gets to the grocery store is, is literally magical to people. Uh, and so this stuff really matters to understand the basics of how it works. And I think that as you were to do that, if you were to just really start you know, educating yourself, you, you'd probably come away with a slightly more balanced view of, of uh, the, the practicalities of how we're going to meet energy demands for 7.7 .7 billion people and reduce emissions and that the conversation needs to be broadened beyond uh, just renewables. That's great, thanks. Uh, so how can people find out more about you and what you do? Well, you know, we've been publishing a lot of articles. Uh, we'd love to talk with people directly. Uh, you know, we're happy to, uh, to speak with folks directly on partnering on projects uh, for, for investors that are interested in, you know, uh, understanding how carbon capture would fit in their portfolio. Uh, we're, we're happy to uh, speak with those folks. And, um, and just in general, I mean, look, we've been, we've been uh, quite vocal on these issues. Uh, so there's a, a growing amount of content on the web. And uh, but look, there's no substitute to one-on-one -on -one conversations, and we uh, we we welcome those. That's great. Thanks, Craig. Uh, it's been great having you on the show. Okay. Well, thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to the latest Irish Tech News podcast. Check back every day for the latest episode. You can follow us on Twitter at Irish underscore Tech News on Facebook. Facebook.com forward slash Irish Tech News. On LinkedIn, LinkedIn.com forward slash company forward slash Irish dash tech dash news. On Instagram, Instagram.com forward slash Irish Tech News dot IE. And on TikTok, TikTok.com forward slash at Irish Tech News.